Hi, and welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boateng. This week, please listen in as I chat with Alona Owusu, a board member of the Dutch Anosmia Patient Association, Rooksmaksturnis. She is also a recovering anosmic who has done extensive smell training, and she's the founder of Nosme.com, a website designed to create worldwide awareness of anosmia and other olfactory disorders and to help patients with smell training. Let's jump right into the interview. Hi, Alona. Welcome to the Smell Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hi, Katie. Thanks for uh, hosting. Looking yeah. forward. I was excited to um, find you online and to have an opportunity to talk with you. Let's start off. Can you please tell us about yourself? Where are you from and where did you grow up? Sure. Um, yeah, well, my name is Ilona, Ilona Ovusu, and I am born in Germany. I'm half German and half Ghanaian. My last name and my father and half of my family are Ghanaian. And uh, yeah, I grew up in Germany, but the last nine, nine to ten years, I am actually living in the Netherlands. That's awesome. I've never been to the Netherlands. Well, let's change that soon. <laughs> <laughs> so can you let us know, what is your anosmia story? Sure. Well, so I came to the Netherlands for studies, actually, for my second master's. And so I'm, my background is I'm a psychologist and I did another master in, in a study called Design for Interaction. And then after the university degree, uh, the, the second university degree, I started working in the health tech industry. And then around four or five years back, um, I, was on a, I went on a business trip with my work to Bangalore. It was for app development, basically. And um, then when I got there, actually on the first day, I felt a bit, I don't know, tired. I thought jet lagged, right? And then in the evening, we got invited uh, for dinner by, uh, by the director of, of the department. And um, I was really looking forward because I'm a vegetarian and I got really excited about the curries and was looking forward for the taste and so forth. But what happened was the food tasted so bland and I didn't want to like disappoint the host or something. So I didn't say anything there. But on the way back to the hotel, I, I checked in with my um, colleague and I asked her like, oh, did you also dislike the curry? It was so just salty and nothing else. And she said, no, all the flavors. It was so great. And I was like, huh, something is wrong. I didn't get it. And then anyways, I was tired. And then, but overnight during the night, I got lots of flu symptoms, like first like a cold and then really like a full blown flu virus hit me. And then I just thought, oh, my, my nose was blocked. That, that was kind, kind of how I filled in. And I tried to reason why I actually couldn't taste that very evening. And then, yeah, the next day I was sick. I mean, unfortunately, I went to work still because I was on this business trip. I had to, you know, uh, lead a project there. But yeah, so basically with in terms of flu symptoms, they lasted pretty long around until everything was gone around five weeks. And wow. of course, all the time I didn't, uh, I didn't smell anything. And uh, also my taste perception was really, um, yeah, impacted a lot. But I just thought all the time, yeah, of course, it's just my blocked nose, con- congested uh, nose and so forth. But yeah, after those five weeks, I didn't have any, any flu symptom anymore, but I didn't have any, any smell anymore, neither. And then I got really worried. That was the moment when I was like, whoa, this is serious, maybe. Yeah, and then then I just uh, started looking up things. And from my kind of, yeah, scientific slash medical background, I I went to PubMed straight away. Like that's a 
online publishing, like a service for scientists looking into um, published articles, articles in scientific journals. And uh, there I found out that there's something that is called anosmia, which I never heard of before. And then I looked into like treatment options and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, yeah, I, I tried to see a doctor, which was also difficult, even getting a GP appointment with that. Like I called the assistant and she was like, so do you have pain? And I said, no, I explained to her what was happening. And she was like, okay, if you don't have pain, we have an appointment in two weeks from now. And I was like, no, I need an appointment now. And I just wanted an appointment to see, see a specialist because in the, I, I'm not sure about um, how it is in your state, but here in the Netherlands, you need to see first a primary care physician to get a referral to a specialist. I wanted to see an um, ear, nose, throat doctor. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they didn't enable that very quick. So what I did in that kind of situation was I just, because, well, the Netherlands and Germany are not too far away. So I just called an ENT doctor in Germany. <laughs> I told the exact same story. And there the doctor's assistant said, well, we have the next appointment for you in three weeks, but actually this is serious. Come tomorrow. We just squeeze you in. That's what I did. So um, I, I rented a car and so I, I don't have a car. I rented a car and I went to Germany to get the diagnostics done. And uh, yeah, the doctor confirmed my uh, hypothesis um, that indeed I did have anosmia. That's intense that you were able to go to Germany the very next day, but it's that's a good experience in the end that you were able to get in front of someone who knew what they were talking about so quickly. Yeah, right. So when you were on your business trip and you didn't feel well, then you had flu symptoms for such a long time. Afterwards, mm. you talked about you knew that it was serious because it wasn't coming back. But what was that moment like for you? How did how are you feeling about that? Yeah, I got very very scared. Like it was really like, whoa, like. I was thinking because I don't know, like before I lost my sense of smell, I was, I would say, hypersensitive. So when I lost that sense, I was really scared. Like, will it ever come back? And uh, what will this mean to my life? And I'm, I'm really interested in perception in general, also from my background in psychology. So I read a lot about perception and emotions. Actually, my theses were about emotions also so I was really devastated and I was scared like to see what's the impact and if it wouldn't return also how my life would change like forever being still very young when it hit me yeah Mm -hmm. how long ago did this happen yeah it was in 2015 I believe yeah Mm. okay interesting so I know that over there there's something called the Dutch Anosmia Patient Association can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about what that is and sure. what is your role with them and how did you yeah. get involved? I'm happy to, yeah. So maybe before saying the Dutch thing, I, I can maybe tell the situation in Europe about patient associations related yeah, to anosmia. So in Europe, there are, to my knowledge, like if it's different, then I'm happy if, if people send, I don't know, mails or something to, to teach me otherwise. But to my knowledge, there are two uh, patient associations for people with smell disorders or smell and taste disorders in Europe. One is the British one, um, Fifth Sense, and one is the Dutch one, which is called in Dutch, uh, so that means, translated to English, um, smell taste disorder, dot and L, but then in Dutch. And um, so how I got in touch with them was like, yeah, early on, I kind of 
I looked into scientific articles, but I also Googled around and I found, oh, there's actually a patient association. But in the beginning, for myself, when I started being a patient with anosmia, I just saw that. I read the information online, but somehow I didn't yet connect to them. Like first I, I took my, I don't know, maybe it's me, my personality. I don't know. I just read things and I did things to my, like with myself. Uh, smell training being part of it. Maybe we get to that later, but I didn't connect yet. And then after actually I regained my sense of smell or most of it, then I coincidentally met um, the chairwoman of that association at, a, at an event which is called Odorama. <laughs> um, in the Netherlands, there are lots of smell-related events uh, in, in, in the culture sector, and that's one of them. And we just met by coincidence. And then uh, she was presenting something, and then I approached her saying, hey, I know of your association. It's really nice to meet you in person. Actually, I also got an osmia. And then we started talking. And we met several times, and after a while, she, uh, we both uh, understood that we have a shared interest in, in smell training and also in making it accessible to more people and more, more doable, like, yeah, one of the treatments for some of uh, the people with acquired anosmia. And then uh, after a while, she asked me whether I would be interested and willing to actually take over and, and be kind of the project manager in a way while being a volunteer this is like a volunteering position in this uh, patient association to uh, run a project on a smell training app basically and I said yeah I'm, I'm happy to and then she checked with with the rest of the board and they were all happy to welcome me as a fellow board member and uh, so yeah we are six board members and um, we are all volunteers we are organizing events as this um, Dutch Patient Association for people with both smell and taste disorders that inform people about what actually smell and taste disorders are in an official way, in a, in a trustworthy way. Um, also, we, are, we have kind of a charity-like status, so we get subsidy from the Dutch government, from the Ministry of Health. And with that subsidy, we are not paid, as I said, we are volunteers, but we are financing the events that we're running, we have newsletters that we're sending to our members about developments in smell and taste related research, for instance. We are organizing peer to peer events like once per year we have something which is in Dutch Friendendag, like a friendship day, I believe, where people with similar experiences can come together and exchange the experience. And but not in a way that I was actually to be frank expecting in the very beginning when I started when I read the website the very first day, I thought, oh, patient association. So you sit in a circle and then everyone's complaining. And that was kind of my very naive, stereotypical uh, notion in the beginning. But no, it's completely not like that. Very positive, optimistic people. We're very uh, proactive in, in what we're doing. Um, we're also listening to each other, yes. And um, if someone needs to shed a tear, then that's happening and that's allowed and there we give space to this. But we're really uh, more on um, yeah, um, understanding what's happening, what can be done, information. And sometimes we do very fun events, or most of the times actually, we do very fun events as well, like beer workshops for people with anosmia, tea workshops with, for people with anosmia, or not only anosmia. If I say anosmia, actually it's, it's much more inclusive than that because we work with and for people with different smell and taste disorders. And um, yeah, one thing that I personally um, really 
appreciated a lot was one workshop which was with a kind of Michelin star chef and there was like a cooking workshop and he created a menu for us like a I think five course menu or something really focusing on people with a smell and taste disorder how to you know focus more on texture on color spices and so forth and that not just uh, in in an everyday sense but in a like really you know very high class uh, way of cooking Uh, and those kind of events I, I think is yeah they are really enjoyable and they connect people a lot emotionally but also practically and um, um, also the peers like uh, not the peers the family and friends they're also very invited and included because often it's very hard to understand for people who don't have a smell disorder themselves what it actually means so part of what we're doing is also to address and include family members friends so that they start to understand also what it is to be like to live with this kind of life experience. And um, and one very, maybe a last thing that I really like to point out, um, we had in the past also, we created some magazines and full of both phot- photographs and interviews with people, both with smell disorders, but also people from the food industry, scientists, doctors, like everyone who's kind of related to the sense of smell and taste to kind of create awareness more in the general public and to exchange stories and experiences. I think, yeah, those things are very important and we want to become also a stronger partner in the medical world together with healthcare professionals. That sounds like you guys are very busy with lots of good initiatives and things like that. One of the things that you mentioned at the beginning about the Dutch uh, Nazmi Patient Association was that you were invited in because of your knowledge, your background experience with creating mm-hmm. apps. So mm-hmm. can you speak a little bit more to the smell training app that you mentioned? What is that about? Yeah, sure. So my experience that I mentioned is on one hand, yeah, the professional experience in, in my day job. Um, I am in, in, I'm working in healthcare innovation, innovation strategy, but also um, uh, creating apps, basically, part of it. And uh, so I know how that works. That is one part. Um, but also, when I started becoming a, a Nosnia patient, if we want to use that word, very quickly, actually, before seeing a, a specialist the second time, because I, I went for a second opinion and so forth, I uh, found out about uh, one treatment method, which is called smell training, which was developed, uh, tried and tested out by um, Professor Thomas Hummel in, in Dresden in Germany around 10 years back. And since then, there's lots of research going on around that topic worldwide. Multi-center studies, meter reviews are on that to see how effective it is. And um, the effectiveness studies, they are ranging in the percentage, but the range is between 40 to 60 percent of people with acquired anosmia due to the causes of either head trauma or uh, higher chances of success of our viral infection, like my cause, my etiology, that treatment I found out about. Um, so before even seeing the second time a specialist, I started buying essential oils. So four oils, which are rose, eucalyptus, cloves, and what do I have? Ah, citron, those four. And I started smelling on them, sniffing without having any perception. If you have a nose, you cannot smell, but you try to in the morning and in the evening. Um, so twice a day. And that's just what I started doing because I read about the effectiveness and I was really on one end very desperate, which motivated me <laughs> intrinsically. And I kind of, yeah, I, I just believed the science. So that's what I started doing. 
yeah, and so a mix between both my professional experience with this app development and my experience with doing the actual smell tr training myself led to me uh, having the idea of, of doing actually an app because what I very quickly experienced personally was, yes, on one end, I'm very motivated to do that, but the problem there is that it has to do a lot with behavior change and routine building. And there again, professionally, I'm, I'm an expert on that topic. I, I published internationally um, on behavior change and routine building. But on one hand, having this uh, theoretical knowledge and, and applying that in, in my job versus now having something, I need to change my behavior. I need to build up a routine with something where I get zero feedback. Because in my personal case, it took me around nine months until I could actually perceive anything other than with eucalyptus, there's the uh, trigeminal sense, which is stimulated a little bit, but that I could really smell something it took me nine months. So I needed to go through this nine months without any feedback that anything is working, which is really difficult. So mm -hmm. therefore, um, yeah, I, I used my 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 knowledge from both science and from the health tech industry to kind of build my own analog app because I cannot program. I'm not a computer scientist. And uh, so that's what I did. And then I wanted to really quickly, I thought, okay, a real app needs to be there. And I, I was really eager to make that um, kind of accessible to as many people as possible, but I didn't have the funds to do so. So I discussed this, for instance, with Professor Hummel, with the with um, yeah, the one who came up with this treatment method. And then later also with Kirsten and also she got, after talking to Professor Hummel, she got funding from the Dutch government to do so. So this is how I ended up being the project manager of, of this smell training app. Is that app available for people to download now? Not yet, no. We're really working on it and um, there are different stages. So right now what's work in progress, it's um, in, in software development, you call this minimum viable product. So kind of a basic version with which we want to prove it works functionally and um, that we want to have a minimal user experience which also allows people to do it well and we are collab collaborating also with a game design agency here in the Netherlands. Yeah, we're we actually paying them with the funding that we got and they're really experts in uh, gamification and also in neurology a lot. Um, so uh, with that we want to overcome this problem of, um, you know, uh, that's so difficult to keep up this routine for so long. Um, so I'm using my own knowledge from the past, plus their expert knowledge on gamification um, to create an app which will be um, available for the Dutch market for the first, so like stepwise approach, first for the members of the Dutch Patient Association in summer or, or autumn more. And uh, then we are working on the next step. So um, that's what is currently happening. But yeah, the plan is obviously to over time to uh, also make it accessible to more countries and um, scale further. Yeah. That is pretty exciting. I would love to have an app like that. So I'm looking forward to the time when it is available um, in other countries as well. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And also what's also work in progress is, but yeah, also still under discussion, all the details, how we will do that, um, how it's going. Because obviously, like product development and a patient association, that's that's nice that we got the funding as a charity with the charity status and we can 
kick off things this way. But over long term, I'm really interested and very motivated to also do clinical studies with yeah, scientific partners to maybe, who knows, even impact um, future treatment methods to maybe we find out things that, that can improve the medical guidelines. And all these kind of things, they need more investments than what we have. And to make it more sustainable, I'm also yeah trying to create a, a startup in the future, uh, which is then called knowsme. Knowsme.com is the website. It's right now only a landing page because the details are not clear. All the timelines and so forth are not there yet. But um, yeah, maybe um, if people are interested and they want to have a look, maybe one day once we have uh, figured out the details, this is the place where more information can be found about um, that startup thing. But in terms of the first steps of the patient association, that will be Rooks, Mark, Stornis, Print NL, where the information is found for the minimum viable product, which will be out first. Okay, we'll have to, I'll have to make sure that I get that information from you so that sure. I can include it in the show notes for people. Yeah, that's nice. Are, I think that's good. Who are interested. So awesome. So you had mentioned that you did smell training for about nine months before you started getting any sense of smell back. Uh, how would you consider your sense of smell now? Do you think that you're fully recovered or do you still have some smell loss? From my own feeling, I'm now in the, let's say, normative range. So I I can smell like a average person in the general public. But as I said earlier, beforehand, I was much more sensitive. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can now smell again uh, or can smell like most people can, but not as good as I could before. But given the fact that actually, uh, um, yeah, the what I didn't tell earlier, the specialist lists, which I have been seeing first, and I've been seeing three in total, and the first two were telling me that I would never, ever be able to smell again. Given that first prognosis, um, I'm really happy with, with the current status. And yeah, I mean, this training can be done longer and um, I, I will start to reboost it again with the app development. So who knows? Maybe I get there again. Who knows? I'm very interested in your app when it comes out, but because I think that what you talked about, the motivation and routine building is the most difficult part. It's mm. I'm amazed that you were able to do it for nine months without giving up. Yeah, plus, I mean, the nine months was just to start. Um, so I did it more than a year because what happens then very often, I'm not the only one who's experiencing what I'm, I will explain now. So oftentimes what people experience when the smell starts to come back is a perception of something called parosmia, which are deformed smell perceptions, and also fa phantosmia, like kind of smells which are not there at all. And mm -hmm. those two things I had, and I found that really so both weird and frightening. Like, uh, to give an example, um, I sometimes I went to a supermarket and then in the in the entrance area where there's like the air conditioning starts, I suddenly smelled very weird smells, which I never smelled before. And um, then I asked like friends, oh, do you also smell that? And like, no, there's nothing, you know. And I was like, huh? Or like during, uh, I mean, while doing all of this, you still have a life. You still have a work. You're a friend to people. You, you have hobbies. You do things. And yeah, I 
in work meetings, suddenly I was smelling something completely different and I, I had to still function and not to be, not be distracted by my perception, which I was the only one having there in the room, you know, mm. it was really tough because it's, it's just a, like, yeah, a very, you are isolated. It's, it's like an invisible disability. If I wouldn't have told anyone, no one would have known that I have something called anosmia, but I was quite soon quite yeah I didn't like tell everyone every day but I felt this is important to kind of educate people about so I told quite many people about it to try to let them understand what it is well that is so difficult which I understand myself because before having it myself I couldn't understand it neither so I think all of us people who either have this experience right now or went through it in the past if we if we try to educate others about it that would really help because the the general public people they just don't understand what it means to live without that sense mm -hmm. that's my notion at least my experience yeah yeah i think one of the major one of my main goals with the show is uh, first off, just so everyone knows that we're not alone, that there's other people who are going through the same things, but also hopefully in the future to just spread out to people who don't have olfactory disorders so that they can get a sense through yeah. all of the interviews and talks of how the impact of it, yeah. of yeah. what it means to have anosmia. So that's awesome. No, I just wanted to, to yeah, make a compliment. I really like your initiative and uh, this is really a way to reach lots of people which is really nice because I mean what I did personally like one hand in my private network tell my friends family colleagues not everyone but many um, then well with this patient association um, there a lot also in the last years well since 2015 basically I went to lots of scientific conferences also to on one hand understand olfactory science myself better and I got so excited about it I mean it's a multidisciplinary uh, kind of field with so many very bright and most of them also very fun people to interact with so I'm I'm just amazed by the entire olfactory science community and the last years to be honest like the first years when I was really just starting having anosmia and not not still orientating myself like what is this I'm a patient now wow I went to those conferences and, and I didn't tell, well, I have anosmia. No, I, I didn't actually. But then after one, two, three years, I also said it more. And then, then I really have completely different interactions, which is really nice because there are so many scientists who work on it from a yeah scientific <laughs> angle, but don't really interact much with the human experiential side of it. So I, I really enjoy those exchanges. And my latest one was uh, in May. It was called, uh, it was a symposium in the Netherlands called WIOS, standing for Women in Olfactory Science. And that was really great. Um, so people from around the world were coming, also from the US. Uh, Rachel Hertz was giving the keynote, um, uh, for instance. It was really inspiring. Um, lots of female, but also male talent there, uh, empowerment and uh, really interesting. And um, I was also there to uh, present a poster for the patient association, for instance, and to educate again about anosmia and to tell more about the app as well. Yeah. That's such a cool conference. It's specifically women in olfactory science. It's so specific. <laughs> yeah, but really important and really great. Yeah. 
That's awesome. I've been able to talk with Dr. Hers uh, for the podcast before, and she came yeah. on and talked about her book. So she's yeah. she's really great. She is indeed. I, I enjoyed talking to her uh, during the conference as well. Yeah. So having experienced anosmia and now having recovered most of your sense of smell, what do you want people who do not have anosmia to know about what it's like going through that? So um, one thing I, I like to really focus on a lot is that losing the sense of smell doesn't only impact your ability to taste food, which is a huge thing for quality of life in itself already. But, well, different people have different experiences. That's one thing that everyone should be aware of. And uh, talking about myself and my personal experience, it was really the impact on on my emotions and my, yeah, kind of the social interactions with others, how anosmia impacted me. And I think that would be great for people to understand that I'm not the only one with that, that um, actually we, in a very subconscious way, we do smell each other's emotions, how funny it might sound. And once this is lost and gone, um, there's a huge aspect lost in life, which which cannot just be filled in, in in another way. And for me personally, that had a very negative impact. And I was confused. I was like, kind of, it felt like behind glass, which is the name of one of our magazines of, of the patient association. It feels like being behind glass because you're, you're cut off from something, but you're still visible, but, but you cannot touch the other side in a way. And then again, touching is a tactile sense, but it's smelling in here. Even language-wise, smell is not really represented well. So, yeah, the emotional impact is is a thing that I would like to kind of create even more awareness um, on that when you lose your sense of smell, it has such a huge impact on, on your emotional experience and in your interactions with other people. Yeah. That's great. That's really good feedback I agree with you I, I call it a bubble and I'm it's yeah. interesting that you guys call it like a glass window mm, yeah you're, there's something in between you you can still see out but you're not actually experiencing everything 100 percent yeah yeah so my next question for you will be is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners yeah yeah I think one thing and that's really based a lot on my personal experience but I've heard that a lot from other people with smell disorders as well. For instance, through my um, activities um, with the Dutch Patient Association for people with smell disorders and taste disorders, which is if you stop being able to smell, you actually actively stop smelling, like to try to smell things. And that is very sad. And that's also, it's, it's very understandable though, like it's mm-hmm. very, I mean, it doesn't give you anything. So I think the breathing even changes. You're, you're like, if there's coffee somewhere in the air, you, you kind of actively, if you can smell, you actively change your, your, your way of breathing to kind of sniff what, what's there in the, in the air and stuff. And if you don't have that sense anymore, you stop that. When you have food there in front of you and it's coffee or whatever it is, you stop that because also it's very confrontational even like if you try to and then you don't get anything anyway so 
natural to stop it. But what I would like to share with people as my personal call to everyone, if you can, and yeah, for many people it's very depressive and depressive not only in a superficial sense, we can talk about clinical depression as well. So if it's not too hard for you, just maybe try to start making to smell your environment again as a habit, not like a smell training necessarily twice per day with those essential oils or something, but just to be more conscious, maybe in a mindfulness way um, to, to try that because my personal, and that's not science-based, that's my personal notion on this topic. I think that's like a lifelong smell training that we would do if we, if we try that more. I think it would be really interesting to see the impact as well. But uh, I do understand if there are many people out there who say, no, I cannot do this because it's too painful. But if you can, well, it might not harm to try. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you're speaking directly into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that. I actually, well, I don't do that. So I think that that is something, just an amazing insight that you have and that it is important mm. to interact with our food even though I've kind of given up on that like Mm, a plate of spaghetti or something I don't actually seek out a smell and I think it's important that I try that again so thank you sure you're welcome I reached one already yes (laughs) (laughs) so my final question for you will be how can listeners find you on social media in regards to your work with the Dutch Anosmia Patient Association and also the entrepreneurial work that you had mentioned earlier yeah, sure. Yeah, with uh, the Dutch Association for People with Smell and Taste Disorders, there's a website, which I hope you can include in your uh, footnotes there as well, which is rooksmarkstornis.nl. Yeah. And uh, social media-wise, the association also has um, uh, Facebook pages, uh, one public one and one closed one. I will um, send you uh, the names of that as well, but it's it's in Dutch. It's a Dutch association. It's called Anosmi Vereniging. Um, okay. I, I will give you that. And then, yeah, for my entrepreneurial activities, and yes, please bear with me, timeline and those things are not on there yet, so it can take time, months, uh, maybe years until things are there, but if you want to keep yourselves up to date with the developments, you can check out um, knowsme.com, and then there's also an email form uh, where you can sign up so uh, that once any developments are happening, I can uh, yeah uh, inform people who are interested. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Smell Podcast and talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It was really great, uh, great conversation. And uh, please keep up the great work um, to inform more and more people about how it is to live without sense of smell. A big thank you to Alona for talking with me today. Please make sure to check out all of her work. I'll include links to Rooksmach Storness, the Dutch and Osmia Patient Association, to www.nosme.com, which is the website founded by Alona herself to help spread awareness about olfactory disorders and smell training, and to the Facebook group for the Dutch Anosmia Patient Association as well. So during our conversation, Alona also mentioned the magazine created by the association called Behind Glass in English, or Achter Glass in Dutch, and I hope my Dutch is okay. Um, It is written in Dutch, so if you're able to read that, please make sure to go and check it out. 
The final thing that I've included in the show notes is a video interview of Alona speaking about the Knows Me app. She does speak English in the video, but the rest of it is in Dutch, so feel free to check that out if you're interested. Don't forget that you can send me voice messages and provide feedback about the episodes or other things smell-related. I'd love to include your feedback on the show. You can also just send me a voice message to say hi if you feel like it. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. What topics would you like to see covered in the future? If you have a story that you'd like to share, or if you'd like to be interviewed for the podcast, please email me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at thesmellpodcast. I'm always interested in sharing listener stories. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Reviews are helpful because they allow others to find the show. Finally, if you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description. I appreciate your support. And a huge shout out to Kim and Rez for their continued support. Your contributions make the show possible. Until next time, have a great day. Thank you.